Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Iscove. And with us today is Joanna Robinson, senior writer at Vanity Fair, co-host of the Little Goldman podcast, as well as The Storm, uh, which is a lost podcast for all you JJ fans out there. We will be talking a lot of JJ on this. Uh, I am very excited to talk about that. Um, thank you so much for being here. We're going to talk. This is this is the last episode. This is the last hurrah. Um so I wanted to bring you on to talk about sort of the final episodes, but I want to rewind with you and kind of come, you know, uh, enter this at, at sort of the beginning, which is, did you watch Felicity in 99? Did she come into your life then? Or was it a little later? Yeah, so I graduated. So it premiered fall of 99. Is that when it, uh, premiered? it premiered in fall of 98, actually? Yeah, okay. That, yeah. that makes more sense to me. Okay, yeah. so I graduated high school in 99. Mm -hmm. So I would have watched Felicity, yes, religiously my senior year of high school <laughs> as like this sort of aspirational college what's coming for me sort of thing. Um, and it was <laughs> just like this, right? It was like it was exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was a yeah. documentary. Um, <laughs> but then when I got to college, I kind of stopped watching TV because I was like in the dorm and we didn't yeah. watch TV or whatever in the dorm. So uh, I watched season one religiously and then I don't know that I really watched season two, not because of the whole ha haircut like drama or whatever. Yeah, just cause, like, I think I think I just didn't watch any TV in the like, especially in the 99 uh, to aught season. Um, and then I definitely came back in for the end. Mm -hmm. Um 
so there's a drop off in the middle. And then I have like subsequently watched it um, like in reruns or something like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I was like a huge, you know, I'm, I was a teen in the 90s. So I was a WB fan. So I watched like everything on on the WB, uh, including Felicity. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I was and then I was um, you mentioned like that. We're going to talk JJ and we're going to talk mm-hmm. um, Lost stuff like that. I was a huge Alias fan. Like, uh, like sure. I, I, I was a big Alias fan, and um, I made everyone who ever lived with me in college watch Alias. Like, I converted <laughs> all these people. That's how fanatical I was about Alias. So, like, um, and then so I knew Jen Garner from like season one of Felicity, um, and uh, but I don't even know that I knew it was like because I was like uh, you know a student. I don't think sure. I even knew that it was the same person who made both those shows or what have you. Um, I certainly didn't. Yeah, but I, I but mean, I, I yeah. Go ahead, but, please. But it's funny because like um, I'm watching Lost for this rewatch podcast. I'm actually rewatching Alias right now because a friend and I are doing this like slow burn rewatch of Alias. Sure. Uh, we watch like a couple episodes a week. Uh, we're just into season two of Alias. And then I watched a bunch of Felicity to talk to you. And I was like, I'm just soaking in the like JJ, <laughs> what JJ thinks makes good TV sort of. Well, I want to like, we, I, I want to talk a, a, a little bit um, on this podcast about JJ and finales, because mm. I think we have to sort of talk about how his shows exist in this sort of heightened universe and how that can be tricky to land a plane. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that. I don't want to yeah. get into that um, when we get to sort of the end. Um, but I, I sort of wanted to kind of, you mentioned that you rewatched the pilot, yes. um, right? Just to sort of refresh your memory on on that. What were your feelings on the pilot? Because it <laughs> obviously feeds very much into the right. end of the show. So there's a there's a balance there. Yeah, it's funny because I, um, you gave me the homework assignment. You didn't give me the homework assignment, but you're like, if you want, yeah. if you want to be an overachiever about it, Joanna, you can watch the last five episodes. I was like, oh, for sure. Plus, I'm gonna watch the pilot because I was just like, there's this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, forgive me for referencing TikTok, but I'm going to reference uh, the Please. social media platform TikTok right now. There's this audio around TikTok that I love that um, that just goes like, what happened to the original plot of the movie? That's the audio. What happened to the original plot of the movie? And people use it to apply to just sort of like something that goes off the rails. And mm-hmm. I'm just sort of like, I wanted to remember <laughs> what Felicity was season one, episode one, so sure. that I could really... <laughs> compare it to the last five episodes and i didn't end up watching uh the one immediate that immediately precedes those last five episodes because so that would be like episode 16 or something like that right um because i don't know i just didn't get that over tv but like um that was supposed to be right there series finale like the this is my understanding is that Mm -hmm. uh you know jj and matt reeves were unsure from Warner Brothers how many episodes they were going to get for this final season. And they were like, well, we don't want to be cut off before we finish it. So we're going to finish it. And then, uh, you know, WB was like, great, now give us five more. And they're like, okay. And that's, you know, how we ended up where we are, right? But so I, I, I didn't watch the, like, kind of planned uh, season finale, but I got in a previously on, I I was reminded that like Ben follows Felicity right to um, Palo Alto, yep. and then he goes, you know, you're right. It, this time it was my turn or whatever. I'm like, what a beautiful 
Very Friday Night Lights. Very Friday Night Lights. I wrote that down. I was like, (laughs) Coach Taylor. I was like, I love this. Um, And like, and that's, that's it. That's their plan ending. And it makes sense. And it's, and that is close the chapter, close the book, close the chapter. And then you get this. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I'll say this, you know, Mm -hmm. having, having been in writer's rooms. Yes. Um, they were, from all accounts, from Matt Reeves' account, they were promised 17 episodes. That, w- that was what they were told. And they broke okay. a season of 17 episodes. Right. It is genuinely unfair to then throw five more episodes right. at that writer's room right. and be like, exactly. can you just pull something out of your ass? Yeah. That being said, I didn't hate this. And I, I, I know mm-hmm. that's that might be sacrilege to say because I remember watching it live and thinking that it was legit bad like that i was just like what is this this is goofy and now i'm watching it as more of kind of an epilogue if you will like a weird sort of like extension as opposed to like it's it's the sliding doors thing which which i think is cute we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the things that don't work about it and there are a lot of things that don't work about it but from thirty thousand feet i didn't hate it yeah, um, we will get to it. But number one on my list is what the hell they did with Elena, but um, yes. <laughs> which is insane. Or, or didn't do with didn't Elena. Do, no, like definitely. Yeah. I was like, I wrote down like, did she have a scheduling conflict? But also the fact that it opens like it. Okay. Anyway, we're going to get to yeah, that. We'll, but, we'll get to that. Yeah. But I also, I don't hate it. What I wrote in my notes was like, actually, they should have done it, done more. It was yes. almost like a half measure. Like, I feel like they should have gone yeah. back to freshman year. I think it would have been really fun oh, to go yeah. all the way back to freshman year. I, I cannot, because I, I was like thinking about it. I was like, okay, if I were if I were to make this decision, I'm like, we're going to mm-hmm. do a time travel. We're going to loop back on something our viewers have already seen. To me as a fan, I'm like, well, season one was the best season. That was a season yeah. that like really knew what it was. So if it were me, I kind of feel like I want to go back there and there could be a lot of fun with like, reviewing like old plots that we're like familiar with and stuff Mm -hmm. like that um but maybe from a like we're not living in a binge culture universe for a practicality thing they want to go back to episodes their viewers have just seen and so like to Mm -hmm. make sure that they're familiar enough with the plot line but i was like i really feel like season one of felicity but like let's do it again uh and crazy random hap like all the like crazy and like the fun old i mean lost kind of does this i mean it's unfair to call lost a jj show because really he's just involved in like the pilot and then it's right damon and carlton show but like the lost final season has so much fun with that bringing back in old characters you haven't seen in a Mm -hmm. long time and felicity in these last five episodes does that a little bit you get jen garner you get um is it amy Amy joe johnson Johnson. yeah yeah you you get them back in but like I'm like, there's some like dorm stuff. I don't know. I just like, I no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, you know I, I mean? fully agree with you that they, I mean, this is, <laughs> this feels like a symptom of when you've been put in an impossible position, right? You tried desperately to find a way to honor the show that came before it. And at the same time, you know, I imagine there's production issues and the fact that, you know, the finale was a fucking clip show, but putting that aside for a oh second, my God. um, which I was like, wow, you, like there's probably 15 minutes of footage here that you actually shot for that episode. The rest is all previously shot footage almost. Okay, but did you like see that they cut they did kind of explain what happened with Elena and they cut it out? Out. And they then shot I watched it. I watched an interview with JJ and Matt where they were like, 
we just couldn't make it work. I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe cut some of your like uh, crazy Javier like flashbacks or whatever for to explain yeah. why yeah. Elena is no longer dead. Uh, I get. I have, I, I have a lot here's, of Elena issues. Here's my guess on that. Yeah. And again, this is totally speculative, so I, you yeah. know, I don't know any of this. Mm-hmm. But they aired the last two episodes together. So they aired uh, Felicity Interrupted and Back to the Future, the last two episodes, as one. So they went with like a big you know, finale thing where they did these mm-hmm. two episodes together. My guess is that was not the plan initially. And that the last episode was going mm. to be longer and that they shot it knowing that it was going to be longer. And then they were told, eh, we want to put these two together. And then they had to shrink it down. That's my guess. Can I explain the Elena problem? Please, please. Being completist in their rewatch. Okay, sure. so here's how this block of five kicks off. It kicks off Elena's dead, right? <laughs> and then, and also Ben. I mean, like, okay, I get, I get it. You're like scrambling to figure out what to do with these five extra episodes, but they're just like character assassination, character assassination, right? They're sort of like Ben and Felicity. You have have this like hard one journey towards each other for four seasons. Mm-hmm. J.K. Ben cheats on her right away, right out of the gate, her. right out of the gate with some rando that we don't know, right? No, no. Um, and in public, you know, in broad daylight, in, in a the, library, in a library. Come on. <laughs> Ben would at least like have the decency to, exactly. yeah. I don't know, pick the back of a coffee house or something. But like, <laughs> something. so, so all like all of the sweating that they have to do to get us to a place where Felicity's oh, yeah. like, I want out of this reality. Elena's dead. That sucks. Yeah. Ben cheated on me. That sucks. I want out. I want to go back. Yeah. Um, and Noel's getting married too, by the way. So there's that too. So she's right. also like jealous about that to some degree. Yeah, yeah. She's got that what if still hanging over her right, head, right? right? And so like so she goes back in time and like so then so then, right? So well, she goes we, we, back in time. I don't want to gloss over that. Well, we should we should explain how she goes back in time though. Megan does a spell. <laughs> and she goes back in time. So I want to just I I I want to unpack this just for a quick second because you might not remember this but in season 1 of the show, yes. Megan does a spell. That that we get the impression actually worked in terms of changing the, Ben's perspective ben, on Felicity. Yeah. Right. Um, there's like a whole spell thing. The drop, and she, the drop of the nutmeg, the picture, or whatever, right? The yeah. picture in the in, yeah. in like a in like a beaker, and then she pastes the picture together wrong, and by that. There's this somewhat wasn't supernatural it was like missing a spice, and then they knock the yes. spice off the top yes. shelf, and yes. uh, indeed yes. in Deluca, and that's yes. yes. I remember yes. it so. I was yeah. 18. I remember it very well. It was right. Very, so like very, yeah. the show dipped its toe very lightly in the supernatural in that episode, kind of right. winky, but kind of did it. Yeah. Which is why this, to me, weirdly didn't bump me that much. No, it's fine. And also, Megan's the best character on the show at this point. Right. So right. Like, right. Yes anything we can do with megan i'm for uh but you got it you have to go with that like once you go with that then that you know. i can that i can go with probably yeah. i i'm I, at least now i'm more like sure sure okay sure sure, sure, sure. um yeah. but yeah so so felicity winds up going back to the beginning of this season is my understanding correct, correct. of like when she slept with noel on the roof correct and correct. uh she's gonna choose to end her relationship with ben Mm-hmm. And stick with Noel. And that's her mm-hmm. idea. Her idea is staying with Noel is going to solve everything. But then what sucks about that? 
A bunch of things. A bunch of things. But I think a problem the last five episodes has is it like, honestly, and I, and I think those middle seasons have this issue too, is it misunderstands what was so great about Felicity in the first place. Is it's not like, yes, the Noel Ben Felicity love triangle is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not four seasons interesting, and it's not like the, it can't be the most important thing on the show, and that's what it mm-hmm. makes the last five episodes the most important thing. There are things that really work in this in these last five episodes. Like I gotta hand it to Scott Speedman for the episode where Ben is like like flirting with her in chem lab, and it's just like, oh, you're still in love with me, no problem. <laughs> I mean, that stuff's gold. Yeah, it is great. golden. Yes. Um, but at the same time, like. I just I get bummed with like all the other things that get sidelined mm-hmm. for just basically what amounts to five episodes of spin the bottle, right? Uh, with a lot of characters. and then a literal and, and then, then a literal, literal spin, the spin the bottle. But so okay, so the stakes are this: in her reality, um, Elena is dead, right? Mm-hmm. That is that is a mistake I think they made that that is a reality that she could return to so that later when Noel dies and she's like oh I gotta get back to my real reality I'm like okay but in your real reality Elena's dead <laughs> so like and you have no <laughs> it's not mentioned and like when Elena shows up like there's one scene that Elena shows up and Felicity's like you're alive I mean congratulations no there isn't wedding. even that it's no, not even says, there She's she like hugs her. It's it's weird, but she both does. those scenes were ex- oh. were pulled. So oh. I watched the same thing you watched, where they showed the two scenes that they shot with Elena. Because I thought oh, the same thing you thought. That, sorry, I don't mean at the end. I mean oh sorry when sorry. when sorry when Felicity travels back in time. And Correct. Up, yes, yes, that part. Yes, yes. There sorry. is like one small scene. Yes. One yes. small scene. Yes. <laughs> Where she's yeah. like, Elena, one of my best friends all through college, you're yeah. alive. And then they don't have hardly any, any scenes ever again. Yeah. And then you're right. At the end, they cut two scenes that, that explain it. won't explain. But it doesn't really because... Well, it explains like, it in the sense that she... For, for our listeners, there are two scenes yeah, that were sorry. shot with Elena. The yeah. first was she, before she does the spell, she goes to Elena in the middle of the night and begs her to go to Duke so that she doesn't die. Right. Okay. And she writes it down on a postcard and is like, don't go to Duke. And then when she goes back to present, she sees Elena's alive at the wedding. At Noel's wedding, yeah. At Noel's wedding. She still has the postcard with her. Also strange, but we'll just go with it's it. It's her good luck charm. It's her said. good luck charm. Yeah. She did so she goes to Duke and doesn't die. So if yeah. you tries to have her cake and eat it too. In but, what the past. Make, but what doesn't make sense about that? I mean, I honestly no. think another reason that they might have cut that, you know, uh, above the whole like, and Matt Logic. literally says in that in that interview, <laughs> we were hoping no one would notice. <laughs> but like, I was, I think one of the reasons they cut it is because it doesn't make any sense because they, it's not as if when she goes back, that time travel thing happened. Doesn't exactly. it like a race that it happened? Exactly. And so then her mourning exactly. for Elena makes no sense. And so I think they just realized that they wrote themselves into a terrible corner where they're yep. like, oops, we killed Elena. Why? And we can't, we can't unring this bell and let's just hope yeah. people don't notice. Yeah. 
I 100% agree with you. I would also say on the Elena front, she gets really short shrift in these five episodes where she's basically just kind of paired off with Javier. As much as I love Javier, the two of them just feel like appendages in in basically all five of these episodes. They never really really turn into anything particularly interesting, Um, which is also a bummer because I love both those characters and those characters deserve to have good endings just like everybody else. Um, It's... (laughs) It is when you I didn't think about that part of how how come she can change Elena's future right. but no but she can't change anybody else's future. Right. It doesn't make sense. But we'll because, just it, yeah. I mean yeah. So maybe yada, that's why yada, they cut yada, it. Yada. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Anyway. Um so yeah. And also as you say like those two sideline characters uh mm-hmm. are the only two characters of color in the cast and that is also like a bummer feels <laughs> Yep. Not great. Not great. Um, so, yeah. So, but are there things that work? Yes. Um, and there are things that are fun. Like, it's fun that Jen Garner comes back uh, yeah. as Hannah because at that point she's already doing Felicity. And so, like, Alias. But yeah. Oh, sorry. She's already doing yeah. Alias. And um, it's fun. And yeah. she's married to Scott Foley, I think, at that point. She hasn't, like, left him for that Michael, time. For Michael Vartan. So, like, Im- imminently. You know? <laughs> So it's like, uh, so it's cute. It's like, oh, Scott Foley's wife is here, and she's a she's yeah. a she's a star in her own right. But she's here doing an episode. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So there are things that work, but there's it's, a lot that doesn't. I want to I want to rewind to what you yeah. said earlier because I think that there's something very important to unpack in that, which is a little bit of the misconception about the love triangle being the most important thing about the show. Right. And I think that. Um, there are really kind of two, I mean, there are probably a bunch of camps of fans of this show, but I imagine back in the day, it was all about Felicity, Ben and Noel, right? To some degree, that love triangle was was important to people to some degree or another. And that yeah. there was a, I guess what I'm getting at is I can't imagine anything harder than ending a television show. It seems right. like an impossible feat. Um, we could name many, many more bad finales than good finales. Um, it's very hard. And we're going to talk about that in depth as we get there. But I feel like, and this is my question to you, I did a poll on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, Ben, Noel, or neither. And it was essentially a three-way tie. It was like within about a percentage point what of I would these be, things. The data that I would be really interested in finding out is how many of the yes, Noel people have rewatched Felicity recently. Because I was really high on Noel uh, uh-huh. when I was a teen. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. I rewatched the pilot and I'm like, get out of here. Dude. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Really? Like, really? He's just like, he's like, he, I was like, Ben, I was like, oh, Noel's the nice guy. It's like the nice guy trope that is just sort of like, Noel's the nice guy, but like, I need to do a full rewatch, obviously, but like, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I am sure that there's going to be like moments where I'm like really on, on team Noel or whatever, but I was just like, sure. Ben handles the psychosis of Felicity in that first episode in sure. a really chill fashion. And I'm sure he does terrible things later on that make the like scales tip <laughs> out of his favor or something like that, including making out with this lady in a uh, library in Palo Alto, <laughs> but like. I was just like Ben. I don't know. I I rewatched the whole thing a few years ago, and mm-hmm. I was like, I have switched to Team Ben or Team Neither, but I'm no longer Team Noel. I here here's I I hear all of that, and I would also say that um, I fluctuate pretty frequently. 
between these three camps during this rewatch. Mm. Because Noel is, for all intents and purposes, the wedge between Felicity and Ben. I mean, that is right. the impetus of the show. That's 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 what makes the show tick. Right. I wasn't under any delusions that she wasn't going to end up with Ben in the end of this show, um, despite the fact that maybe she shouldn't have, but we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. Noel goes through a lot of bumpy stuff, especially with how Felicity loses her virginity and he gets drunk and he shows up at her place and tries to have uh-huh. sex with her. There's all sorts of stuff that's mm-hmm. not great about Noel. So I'm not going to ride for any of that behavior. <laughs> right. Um, but my question to you, and I pose this to a couple uh, guests that I've had on over the course of this miniseries, but is this a symptom of, and we still have this today to a certain degree, which is when you have a female protagonist of a show that is, that she has to choose a guy. Right, right. Uh, unless she's um, Kelly and Anatono and she chooses herself. I don't know sure. if you know that reference. <laughs> I don't know that reference. I do know that reference. I mean, I know the reference. I have not watched. I didn't watch 90210. Right. It was like Kelly and Brandon or Dylan. And she's like, I choose me. That's we great. Like, I love the that. the 90s. And we were like, what? You're allowed to <laughs> You can do, do that? that? Yeah. No, yeah. it's amazing. And, you know, Buffy does something similar where it's like Spike Angel, Spike or Angel. And she's like, I'm not ready for any of this. And I don't want any of this. Uh, so like, I appreciate that those exist. Yes, there are exceptions, yeah. but it's not the rule. Absolutely. You know, um, I agree with you. Um, it just feels like, and I just did like th- a three hour podcast on screen drafts on Winona Ryder, which we talked about reality bites at mm-hmm. nauseum. Um, and I love reality bites, that but that's a, an, I choose neither. That's right. That's, that's mm-hmm. an, I choose neither for sure. Cause mm-hmm. Troy's a monster and Michael just isn't fully formed. So it's like, Correct. So you're just kind of like, in this situation, I'm watching these final episodes, and I have to say, and I can't fucking believe they pulled it off, but when Ben gets out of the mental institution, which is insane to say out loud. It's a heist. <laughs> I, and he believes her, yeah. and I was just like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, Ben. It's got to yeah, be Ben. ben. It's got to be Ben. And and I and I, ha- I hate that I have to say that, but it's the truth. Because... For so much of this show, and this is my big bump with the Felicity Ben thing, and it's how season two starts, which is she cuts off all her hair, she breaks up with Ben because he's not worthy of her. And for so much of this show, I feel like he's not worthy of her. Mm. And then at the end, they at least kind of sort of make me buy that maybe he is. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. Um, I I am – here's what I love about the pilot. This is related. I'm not zooming out on your point. Um, Yeah. The pilot is about Felicity. Felicity follows this guy to New York. But it, within that pilot, she comes to the realization. She's like, it wasn't really about yeah. you. It's about this choice, me making a choice. Mm-hmm. So that's what Ben, I love, that's what I love. Mm-hmm. That's the plot. The original plot of the movie is yeah. Felicity makes a choice and opens herself up to a bunch of really scary and new things. And she's not safely ensconced in Palo Alto where like her mom is going to give her the old station wagon or whatever. Right. <laughs> right dad's right, right. dad's having yeah. lunches with people at, at uh, Stanford or whatever. Yeah. She's in New York. She's, she's meeting people like Megan, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Who challenge her. And, um, and Noel to me represents the safe choice the maybe more, uh, you know, like as silly as it is, that scene where Ben and Felicity are studying in these final five episodes and they're talking about uh, ionic bonds or like various bonds, you know what I mean? And it's sort of like this idea. I don't think of Ben and Felicity as opposites necessarily, but like this idea of like, 
being attracted to the thing that challenges you that feels dangerous or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. And Felicity, who is like a bright, good student, good girl, trying to challenge herself. I that's what I love for her. And that's what I love. I love that first up that pilot episode. I mean, I know you didn't bring me here to talk about that, but like, no, no. I mean, this idea. I mean, I'm I'm, gonna, I'm a little embarrassed. I'm going to tell you that I wrote in my notes. I wrote Gatsby. I was like, I was like the idea that like Felicity yeah. follows a guy, but it's <clears throat> not treated as something frivolous or dumb or even unhinged. Mm -hmm. It's like treated with respect. And I'm like, I'm dazzled by the idea. I mean, like obviously JJ and all of his works has been interested in like, you know, bright young women sick of swimming, like that's sort of like his thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's yep. like, whether it's Kate on Lost or Sydney Bristow on Alias or Felicity Porter or Ray in Star Wars or whatever. Or Olivia like, Dunham on Fringe too. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. this is his thing. And so, um, you know, I don't want to be like, oh my God, I'm, how amazing these two men, like we're interested <laughs> in creating this story about this young woman, but like the respect that they yeah. give. Yeah. Uh, this, the respect that they give the like female gaze in this show. I mean, there, I was like, why is this show, why did this show matter so much to me at the time? And, and I think that that's part of it. And it, and it has enormous roots. I don't know if you saw me do this on Twitter, but I was like, um, it has such, I just did a, my so-called life rewatch podcast. Yes. I saw that. Yeah. And like. I was like, oh, this is a like, honestly, it's a little alarming how much of a copy paste this is from my so-called life. But like, yeah, there's a little bit of that, but steal from the best. You know what I mean? And that's <laughs> sure. fine. You know what I mean? Like steal from the best. And like, <laughs> that's what they did. And, um, and I, I love Felicity for that. And, uh, that's, I guess that's a long way around to, of course, Ben, but of course, Ben means still choosing herself. If that makes any sense. Well, here's my question to you. Mm. You know, you bring up my so-called life, and there are definitely shades of Jordan Catalano in uh, in Ben Covington, for yeah. sure. Um, uh, part of it for me is I feel like Felicity brings more to the table for Ben than oh, yeah. Ben brings to the table for Felicity. Um. Yes. <clears throat> I mean, he's very sweet. He's very kind. He's very loyal, sort of, up to a point. He's like this golden retriever. He's kind of this like kind of dumb, nice guy. I mean, listen, man, he got an A in his <laughs> OCHEM class. So I don't yeah, know that okay. you can call him dumb. But like, uh, yes. <laughs> we got to talk about, is he going to be a doctor? Would you go to Dr. Ben Covington? Because I, I would, wouldn't. I would, given his, like, I don't know if you saw <laughs> Scott Sweeman's uh, Grey's Anatomy guest star. But yeah, it was, yeah. oh, no, he was like a... He, he was, was like a patient, a wasn't he? Or something like that. Yeah. Never yeah. mind. He was like a guy who he's, I mean, support. listen, he's a good looking guy. Uh, I'd not, get it. I want to say that it's not <laughs> the way that Scott Speedman's hair falls across his forehead. Um, or how he smiles it, through every line. It's not not that. Um, okay. Um, yeah. You're, I mean, I, I mean, know. I get it. I'm trying to think. Like, do you feel like Noel would bring more to Felicity? I just feel like Noel has goals. <laughs> Noel has like a vision of his future on some level, a career. Like I've just rewatched the uh, Twilight Zone episode, which is one of the best Felicity episodes ever. Mm. And um, they, there's a moment when they're all, I, I, do, I don't know if you remember the episode or saw it. No, Basically no. They, did, they did a Twilight Zone episode where at the very end, they all wake up the cast in a box and the box turns out to be Megan's 
uh, toolbox. Like that's the twist. But it's really cute and it's funny, but there's a moment where like they're all talking about their careers and their future aspirations and every one of them has one except for Ben. Like Ben's just like kind of this, but so the doctor thing for me is just like, I just don't buy it. You could have given him another career that I would have bought. I'm just not sure that I buy pre-med, but whatever. I think I think that's fair. Um, but it's it's make it's, him an know. English major. <laughs> sure, or or I mean, honestly, he's good at sports. Make him a fucking athlete. There's nothing wrong with him like working in maybe sports medicine or something like that. Like, there's a way to kind of have those two things if they wanted to. But they're at, they're at NYU, right? Is, are Sorry? they at are they're at NYU right or are they at a Correct. fictional? University? They're at a fictional, okay. fictional oh, okay. New York university. But it's like a good university, and like yeah. is our understanding that Ben only got in because he lied on his like <laughs> application essay, or oh, like, great. or oh. is he there on a swimming scholarship? Like, what's his know. what's his He's, deal? I mean, what what is his deal? Is a very good question. Uh, but like but ben. all of this being said, mm-hmm. I think that. If you put all that stuff aside, because if we're being honest, that's nitpicky. It's about the emotions. It's about the characters caring about each other. And yeah. that's and and that's what truly gets them through these five episodes. And, you know, I, I don't I don't think that it was the wrong horse to bet on, but I hear your point that that it would have been nice if they had found a way to make it a little bit more about Felicity and a little bit less about her being completed by a man. Right. If I go with Noel, that's going to solve everything. And if I <laughs> if I stay with Ben, that's a problem. And then, like, yeah, if they could if they could transplant that lesson so that she has a similar revelation that she had in the pilot, where mm-hmm. it's about something a little bit bigger for yeah. herself, that you know, like trusting or forgiveness or you know whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, rather than just like Ben saying the same thing in the past that he does in the present, and then she goes, ah, I forgive. Literally you. the same things. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, yes, yes, yes. So I want to sort of um, yeah. let's just talk uh, sort of on a macro level about mm-hmm. the the Sean and Megan stuff um, yeah. because I think that that was weird. Um, they did something that I un- and bad that I understand the the instinct, which was to bring back old flames right. because it, it creates drama, but it also gets you to be nostalgic about the show and where it came from and all right. that kind of stuff. So this the the idea to bring Julie back isn't necessarily a bad idea. Um, it's more about the like woefully ignorant Sean being thinking that like she's come back for him, and that like there's just a lot of leaps that he takes. Well, then also like there's a constant in that in that whole. Okay, first of all, it's not a bad idea, but when you do it, you just did it with Jennifer Garner, and then you do it with Amy Jo Johnson. Like you, you like it's the same idea. Like, <laughs> same plot right um but then also they have this horrible thing that happens where constantly characters are like are you sure you're okay with this and then someone says yeah 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 it's fine yeah and then the character does that and i'm like you're all awful friends to each other all of you ben bad julie bad like it's all bad you know like uh, it the onus is slightly on the people who are unable to be honest about what they're uncomfortable with but like if you have two brain cells rubbed together and you're ben or you're (laughs) julie you're not like gonna go on that date like are you kidding me so like ben doing it to get like back at felicity is its own thing but like it hurts Sean so much to do it. So like, I don't know. And then everyone and then, gets like, over stuff very quickly in these five episodes. Oh, and we too. only have five episodes. 
TikTok, TikTok, right? And then like, and then Megan, I'm like, Megan, why are you, why did you go back to him? Like, I love Megan. I'm a huge Megan fan. And it's so funny to watch the pilot and she's just like barely there, Mm -hmm. just there to like scare Felicity and that's it. And there's so, and Elena's not even there because I don't think that actress had been cast yet. And then like, um, and then there's so much Julie. (laughs) I'm just like... (laughs) Julie, in my opinion, I guess my issue an issue with bringing Julie back is I was just never interested in Julie in the first place. I think she's just yep. a, their character. Uh, whereas I'm like, yep. you're eating, you're eating up Megan time as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and I just want more Megan. It's, so. it's funny because um, I so I had Amy Jo Johnson and uh, Amanda Foreman oh, no. on as well. As episode, no, it's fine. It's not. Don't, don't, there's no. Oh no, it's not um, against Amy Jo Johnson. No, 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 and not, and by the way, like we had a real conversation about sort of some of the shortcomings of the character and some of the things that, yeah. that worked and didn't work. And and quite honestly, I didn't know that she left in her own volition. She was dealing with a lot of personal issues, and her mother was sick, and there was all sorts of stuff that essentially made her leave the show. But but there's a lot of stuff that they just they kind of use her like a Swiss army knife and that's never great for a character. So they kind of wanted to do so many different things. Um, whereas Amanda Foreman ha- was friends with Matt and JJ and they were like, do you want to do a day? You'll just walk into a room. Like, we'll see. Maybe it's oh, the, old come with this. Greg Grunberg <laughs> <laughs> the old Greg Grunberg group. Um, yeah. who, who I also had on as well and was lovely, but it's just, it's really interesting to, to see how that character, how Megan, which turns a little bit from a punchline into a very real three-dimensional yeah. character. Yeah. Um, it's lovely. It really is. Well, and you know this, of course, because you've worked in television, but like that's one of my favorite things that TV shows do, which is yeah. uh, sort of like a – I almost think of it like a uh, a body of water finding like the right rivulet. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you follow the character that actually like – you has meat on its bones and whether that's the performer mm-hmm. or what you find you're interested in writing towards or something like that is is interesting but like Megan is such a good example of that of like absolutely a, a character that like could have just been a punchline could have just been a cameo or whatever and instead it just becomes the most interesting and like eclipses Felicity in certain ways just because Felicity is stuck in this one decision mm-hmm. for four seasons which mm-hmm you know, is it's, uh, it's, it is interesting. I agree with you a hundred percent. And it is one of the things that I love about television as well, which is that it's an organism and it's constantly changing and, Mm -hmm. and the show is telling you what directions it wants to go in. Um, and you can fight that sometimes to your own, uh, you know, but it is, it's, it's really interesting to, to watch Megan's character evolve. I also think that just to kind of take a second to look at how the show kind of evolved too. Like Mm -hmm. each of these seasons, and one of the things that I love about TV as well is when individual seasons feel like their own organism. They feel like their own, they have their own story, their own feeling. I mean, I think Mad Men might be one that I point at for sure. I think that Lost has that to a certain degree as well, Mm -hmm. where like there's there's a theme and a vibe and we want the season to feel like this. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still of a piece, but it feels like its own animal, yeah. which I think is really interesting. And this show, which obviously only lasted for four years, um, you can certainly feel uh, the growing pains in season two. Um, it you know took a big ratings hit. You know the the hair cut hurt around the world, and any number of things that happened right. because of it. Well, they moved um, the time slot, didn't they? Like, like three times. Like yeah. they just they, they, it was really problematic. But then yeah. season three, they you know her hair grows back. They put it on a str- on a stronger time slot. Its numbers go up, but to a certain degree, 
season one is always the best season because it feels like the truest version of itself. I, I was thinking about this uh, in watching the pilot and then like mm-hmm. what I, I think I, I like what you have to say about like each season. I like it. I agree. Um, <laughs> and uh, that each season should have its own flavor and that there's a real opportunity here for Felicity. Honestly, I really wish that that the TV landscape was different then, but like it would have been yeah. cool if they had just planned four seasons of this. And here's like, here's yeah. a woman and we're going to follow her through college. It's freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year. This is it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then we're going to be done. And so I think it, it, you know, if they had that, if they had that end goal in mind, they might've been able to like work arcs in certain ways. Um, but I, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, what did I love about Felicity? Okay. As a, as a, as a high schooler <laughs> watching Felicity, as I said, aspirational college thing, but I was thinking about like col- the college dorm is such a potentially brilliant place for drama and excitement mm-hmm. you're young you're just out of uh your parents house you're living together and whether or not you watching the show went to college or not i think that that can be like a really compelling environment you're all living in close quarters like mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff you're figuring you're maybe drinking for the first time you're maybe having sex for the first time like that's what felicity season one is and i was like i was like why aren't there more successful college shows there was um <laughs> uh, what's the Charlie Hunnam one? Is undergrad right? Under, uh, undeclared, 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 and then Greek, which I never watched, but people never liked. Watched. And then I'm like, what else do we have? Like usually a college well, show. Cronish is on right now. Oh, but that's, right, but then, and yeah. a different world, I guess. Um, yeah. but like usually a college show is the dying tail end of a high school show, right? Yep. yep. You've sent your kids to like Sunnydale University or whatever it is, and like. <laughs> But I just think that there's so much potential there. And I think a big mistake, my memory is that in season two, she moves out of the dorms. And I think they should have stayed in the dorms. Like, you know, she doesn't move out of the dorm in season two. She moves out in season three for what that's worth. Okay. I I mean, I I think ultimately your point absolutely holds true, which is, and and I think the answer to your question is sort of in your answer, which is that the, the stakes aren't very high in college. They're higher in, 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 uh, in high school. Um, and and I would I, I also think that it's such a weird quarter life crisis time. Mm-hmm. It's also and you said it earlier, and I felt the same way too. You don't watch TV when you're in college, which you would need that audience <laughs> to watch your show. I guess, but like I feel like as I, I mean, like you know, you don't have to be in high school to enjoy a high school show, and I just feel like people haven't gotten it right. But I'm not sure like what exactly right beyond season one of Felicity, which I think mm-hmm. gets it right. And Undeclared, I think, was a great show, even though I couldn't remember the name of it. But, like, that is considered a canceled too soon show. People bring that up, right? So, like, um, I think the potential's there. I just feel like Felicity loses its identity as uh, a college show, even though she's still, like, figuring out if she wants to do art or pre-med or, um, you know, they're living in, like... uh, whatever all around the same area but it's not the same i don't know i i just uh it's 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 something i'm gonna be thinking about for a while what makes what like what could have what could have made felicity feel as strong as season one or strong because it's actually it's not rare i guess plenty of uh, plenty of shows have their first season be their first their best season but usually it's season two mm-hmm. usually in season one you're still doing some like growing pains yep. and figuring yep. out who you are and then in season two you're just like off to the races and so it's a testament to the fact that this show hit the ground running as strong as it did Mm -hmm. is one of those sort of and i would also argue too and they say this uh jj and matt say this on the commentary in fact on the on the pilot on the dvd about how 
they burn through so much story in that pilot. Like, I mean, by the end of that pilot, Noel's already confessed that he he's into Felicity. Julie like, it's, already it's, slept with Ben. Yeah, it's it's crazy how it much is. like you're just like whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Um. So I think to your point, when they got to season two, they were like, shit. Like we've burned through a lot of stuff here. Like, what are we gonna? We have yeah. to create more problems for ourselves, which they successfully did. But I think alienated some viewers in, in the long term. I would also right. say, too, to answer your college question a little bit, I think that the – and I'm, I'm prognosticating here – but I think the streaming universe is going to be kinder to subject matter like that yeah. than your cable or your broadcast was because the, the the demand for ratings on those two platforms outside of, of streaming is much higher. Right. And I think that – I think you could, this is a long way of saying, I think you could have a cable show on streaming right now. Um, if you look at the success of something like Normal People, for instance, where, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can, you can certainly exist in that time. That's a good um, college show. Yeah. In a way. Uh, dear, that I think, dear white people you know, is another dear one. white people. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So. I think that's a good, I think that's a really good point. So um on the on the Ben sorry on the Sean and Megan of it all yeah, long sorry. story short Sean thinks that Julie's coming back to town for him which is delusional she very quickly proves that to him uh but he's already broken up with Megan at the time so he spends like an episode and a half trying to get back together with Megan why she takes him back is anyone's guess no one knows <laughs> but um other than the fact that I will say that Greg Grunberg and Amanda Foreman have lovely chemistry together. Mm-hmm. They're obviously old friends. Mm-hmm. Like there's something very tactile and tangible about the way that their relationship plays yeah. out. So you buy it, even if you kind of don't buy it. <laughs> so. I mean, he broke up with her after she like got all of his furniture back. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, oh yeah, Sean. he's in debt too. Uh, $50, but then like yeah. $50,000 in debt and then she pays to get all this shit back and then he just because they again paint themselves into a corner, Noel just has this money lying around and that's how they get out of it. So it's just like it's it's all not great. Can I talk about can I talk Please. about Noel, Noel for a hot second Please. uh his his grand life goals as you as he put it. Uh what do we think of the website that he designed for Hannah? Yeah, it's not great. It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know that it was like it's, it was it's, 2003 it was, or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, 2002. Uh, yeah, no, was, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Bad. Uh, Noelcrane.com still uh, still uh, alive though. Just oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that website's still up and running. Anyone wants to love it? Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing about the Hannah stuff. Um, you know, it really taps into what you were saying, which is they're married at the time. Life is great. She's the star of a hit show. Um, it's I, I appreciate the um, I don't want repetition is the wrong word, but sort of the trying to come at things from things that have happened from a different angle. Like I think is a fun thing to sort yeah exactly yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah 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 which I really like that they did yeah more so with Hannah than the Julie stuff. Um, you know what I really like that they brought back that I know I can see why they dropped it, but I actually don't think they ever should have, which is the Dear Sally tapes. I know. Like that make season one. Yes. So <laughs> I think it's such a brilliant. I can just see them like in the room as they're breaking the pilot being like, she's going to have a tutor. And she's going to have a voiceover. But it yeah. gives it gives, like you're just right inside her head. It's mm-hmm. so helpful. It's like so Twin Peaksy in this like uh, way. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. love it. And I know that they dropped it and then they brought it back for the end. And I'm like, all right, well, that's cool. They brought back uh, Sally. 
on the tapes. Um, but yeah, I, I, like can I, I can know. I uh, yeah. can I pitch you can I pitch you my uh, my uh, my revival <laughs> my Felicity revival idea yes. is to tell Sally's story. I love it. So she's getting the tapes from Felicity, and it's that. basically just you know her story. Because we we never meet Sally, right? And we never see her. Never meet her. Right. There no. should have just been like at least one Sally episode. I think. Right. Yeah, just one. You need Janine Garofalo for one episode. Like, just you know, yeah. But, but I, but to your point, it's it is the perfect device because no one really loves voiceover. But the fact that you can do it with a reason, right? It always, it's always, it's like you know Carrie Bradshaw writing her articles. Like to some degree, I don't love the voiceover, but when I know that the voiceover is her article somehow, it's it's all right. It's funny because like. watching the beginning of alias mm-hmm. like that's they've leaned on the voiceover a lot in that whether it's like yeah. her debriefing vaughn or yeah. uh her in therapy yeah. uh there's just like yeah. a lot of like mm-hmm. voiceover there's so much alias is so funny i know you didn't ask me to hear no to no please alias, no i want to talk like, we're gonna talk jj so yeah please alias is so funny because you can really feel the like if you're just joining us on Alias, they have to <laughs> yeah. re-premise that show Always, for like constantly. people dropping in. It's it's so funny. I mean, like obviously that was the reality of uh, the uh, the non binge era, but Alias is such like a densely packed mythological show that they couldn't even just like they had to have like basically essentially what you said at the finale clip shows on yep. Alias occasionally to just be like. Yeah. Hey, viewer! <laughs> did you just watch the Super Bowl? We have a show for you. Well, it's funny. So I, I want to talk about Alias because I actually think that um, there's a lot of, as you said, echoes in yeah. Alias mm-hmm. up top um, of that series where it really feels like what if Felicity was a spy? Mm-hmm. Um, like it definitely is. It's it, There's a little bit of push and pull of tone that they're still trying to iron out in those first handful of episodes. Mm-hmm. And like, really kind of laying the groundwork like the show really hits the ground running i'd say like maybe three or four episodes into it but the fir- the pilot's really strong but there's just a lot of sort of to your point there's a lot of over explaining there's a lot of sort of there's a lot going on in that show it's very densely packed i watched alias i remember the first two seasons of alias i watched on dvd I didn't watch them live. Ooh, okay, yeah. So that was, I remember I worked at a video store at the time and Alias and 24 were the two big like box Rentals. set shows yeah. that got those shows to a place where they could then kind of live on their own. But right. those first two seasons of those shows, I remember it was just like people just needed to watch them like the binge. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, and I remember actually something that they did with Alias um, is I think uh it must have been on abc family like midway through the season one of alias they like just ran they did ran marathons right. of like the first right. half of the season or whatever sure and it makes like sense. which it makes sense but also you're just like and and like you don't need to do it now but i was just like that's not a usual thing but they were like no. well we have this affiliate so let's just do a marathon of all the alias episodes and hope we yep. hook some people that's how they hooked me actually as i like caught the alias marathon i was like this show rules it's it's a great show a nuts thing about alias that i noticed in this watch is essentially at least in the first season i've just started the second season um and i know that that's when jennifer garner filmed her felicity uh Mm -hmm. final appearance because she got blonde highlights and i was like oh she's got her season two highlights anyway um (laughs) she uh the um the first season of alias they do this genius thing where 
basically every they time shift every episode where you get the first half of the episode in the back half and then you get the conclusion of that in the mm-hmm. front every single episode of alias is a crazy cliffhanger yep. and and like every mission that sydney bristow goes on uh is is takes place over two episodes mm-hmm. and so you can't lose interest because mm-hmm. you're just like she's in the middle yeah. of she's in morocco <laughs> and how is she gonna get the file yeah. out of morocco yeah. and Sadly. then she does in the cold open of the next episode exactly and then right it's, and, yeah it's crazy and then it's yeah. off to the next thing so the the jj of it all yes. here's yes. here's here's yes. the thing the or a thing <laughs> the felicity pilot we agree is a masterpiece uh-huh. a lot of stuff in there but like doesn't feel yeah. rushed it screwed them in the in the long run, but like it, it's a great episode of television. Uh, the Alias uh, pilot is incredible. It's, it is. Yeah. The Lost pilot is one of the best pilots yep. of any show ever. Yeah, I would say no one beats JJ for starting something, and then it's it's the end zone yes. that we have. To I worry. think I think I think as a as a society we can all agree that uh, great at starting things. Yeah. Not and great like, at ending things. And I, and I, you know, I don't know how much credit JJ gets, like, story-wise for Force Awakens, but I love The Force Awakens. I love his first mm-hmm. – I love his first Star Trek as well. Like, you yep. know what I mean? Like, he 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 casts incredibly. Mm-hmm. He is such a good eye when it comes to discovering yeah. talent. Uh, his ability to create premise is incredible. Mm-hmm. But when it comes about when you when you're talking about long form storytelling, yep. When it comes time to figure out how to like conclude that premise in a way that feels satisfying, I don't really mm-hmm. include Lost on this because once again, that's like I know Lost has a famously bad no no I, famously I, no, divisive I, finale. Divisive. I don't hate the finale of Lost. I but. love the Lost finale, but it took me some time <clears> to get there. <laughs> and once again, that is more Damon Lindelof than it is J.J. Abrams and Carl. Kuhn. Well, I think we're. I think you're also speaking to something that I think is is worth kind of talking about, which is um, two things, actually. The first is, if we talk about, I'm going to talk about the four major shows, which I, I would say are Felicity, Alias, Lost, and Fringe. Maybe right. you wouldn't include Fringe in that, but no, I'm I just, include Fringe I just haven't it. watched all of Fringe. I've watched some of I Fringe, love Fringe. I yeah, I like what I, I watched, but like... But, but all of these shows, he drops out of. Right, like he's there for conception, he's there for pilot, he's there for maybe the first handful of episodes, and then he kind of leaves. Right. Um, he was with Felicity longer than, uh, no, I guess he was longer with Alias than any of the shows too. But right. but all that being said, maximum he's there two seasons before he kind of basically moves on to something else, which is understandable. He was very busy and very important and very popular and all those things. Right. But what it means is that the show's finale is in the hands of somebody else. And that person needs to understand what that show was in the beginning. Now, Lindelof was there for the whole thing. So that's, again, Lost is sort of a a, a bit of a yeah, outlier in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But specifically, I just kind of want to look at Felicity and Alias to a certain degree, which is that, you know, the ending of Felicity is atypical to Felicity as a show. We can all safely say that five episodes of time travel certainly did not seem the norm of a show that was about a girl growing up and going to college. Right. But... It sort of works in a weird J.J. Abrams kind of way of a little bit of heightened and a little bit kind of over the top, but grounded with heart because this stuff is always grounded in emotion, it feels like. Like mm-hmm. all the bells and whistles are really sort of a sideshow to the fact that you hopefully care about these characters. Right. The alias finale, however, is not 
great. <laughs> um, no, I would say you can stop watching Alias after season two. That's what I would say about Alias. I, there, yeah, there's some stuff in season three that I like, the Cronenberg episode, and there's some fun stuff in season three, but it's a mess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The... The, the JJ biting off more than he can chew when it comes to genre is something that's interesting. Like I think mm-hmm. specifically in like the idea that you can like let's introduce time travel and it's gonna be done in five episodes. Yeah. yeah. Once again, we've discussed the the context of them being sort of like completely screwed over in all of this, and I understand that. But like <laughs> that seems to be like that's the first I mean, Alias had already started, and there's like Rumbaldi stuff at the like kind of oh, the yeah. beginning in Alias, but like, yep, it comes in way earlier than I remembered. But like, um, it's very, and early. then obviously like Fringe, mm-hmm. it, like that's what Fringe is, and Lost mm-hmm. also. That's what Lost, you know, he gets like increasingly interested in sci-fi fantasy. Like Felicity starts as like a straight, you know, young adult story and becomes a time travel narrative at the end. But this idea of like being more cons. Like, really good at the idea, and then just like, as you say, either leaving, or I mean, I would argue in the case of because I'm going to bring Star Wars into this, like, I would argue in the last (laughs) Star Wars movie, like, he was in it, he was in that. Like, Chris Terrio has a screenwriting credit, but like, JJ was involved in that, and like, JJ has a screenwriting credit, I think. Yeah, yeah, so like, he, I, I still you know, love The Force Awakens. I'm not saying anything bad about The Force yeah. Awakens. I love The Force Awakens. Actually, I love The Last Jedi. Um, I love The Last I, Jedi. I think The Rise of Skywalker is the the craziest mess. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. It's, it's not good. It's not good. There was so much money. There was so much, like, there was so much writing on it being good that I yeah. can't, I'm astonished that they were like, this, this is what we're going with. You know what I mean? And so... Once again, like it's it's uh, that that Star Wars trilogy is beautifully cast. JJ's involved in bringing like Daisy Ridley into our lives, um, elevating John Boyega, elevating yeah. Oscar Isaac, um, finding an iconic role for Adam Driver, like all this sort of stuff like that, yeah. like incredible stuff. Um, a great setup, I think. And then it's just sort of like, well, what do we do now? Well, I think and- that. So I feel like this is a good time to talk just briefly about the mystery box for a second here. Yes, of course. Because, and I hate it because it's such a fucking trope to talk about this when it's JJ, but it is it is so in the DNA of everything he does yeah. that it's hard not to point at it and say, he doesn't know what's in the box and he's fine not knowing in the box because he wants you to have fun on the journey. And I'm all for that. I mean, 
I loved the journey of Lost. I didn't hate the end of Lost by any stretch of the imagination. It's grown on me even more over the years. But what was amazing about Lost was the week to week. It was about just like, and same with Alias and to a certain degree Felicity. Um, it's about giving you the best possible ride he can while he has you there. Right. And while while it has his attention, I guess. You know right. What I mean? Right. And and it's and it's so I obviously worked with Bob and Alex, uh, Alex Kurtzman and, and Bob Orsi on on Sleepy Hollow. And 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 again, there was a similar kind of mentality there of we'll figure that out tomorrow. Let's just make the best thing we can make right now. Right. Now, the problem with that, unfortunately, is that someday <laughs> it becomes tomorrow right. and someday you have to actually explain that stuff. And sometimes you can't. Right. And you have to kind of you know, eat a bunch of words and do retcon and do all sorts of stuff and try to find a way to explain Rambaldi. And like, just, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, and for people like you and I, or, or just like big TV fans, that's unsatisfying. Right. Okay. So yeah, I want to, and I definitely want to yeah. talk about the mystery box <laughs> thing. Um, and just, just, um, we're on, we're, we can see each other. We're on a Zoom call. And mm-hmm. so, but like your listeners can't see that I just like, I instinctively shake my head anytime someone says Rombaldi. I'm just like, no, it was <laughs> <Yeah>. just, <laughs> Alias is so good. Why? Why Rombaldi? <laughs> anyway, um, the, um, because yeah. I, I think about that giant red Rombaldi device ball anytime I think of, when you say JJ Mystery Box, I think, yeah. The giant the ball. ball. But what's what's okay? So David Lindelof says something really interesting yes. to me about his idea of a mystery box, which is because you know even after JJ after JJ leaves, there are plenty of mystery boxes on the island. There are hatches galore. What's in the hatch? What's in the box? Sort of thing. And Damon's solution to the mystery box, which I find fascinating, is he's like, I always think that the best answer to a mystery is a person. So sure. what's in the hatch in season one of Lost? Spoiler alert, it's Desmond. <laughs> what, 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 what's in the what's in the box uh in season three of Lost? Spoiler alert, it's Locke's dad. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and like yeah. and an alias does this really well uh, at the end of season one. What's what's behind the door at the end of season one? It's Sydney's mom. Oh my god. Like that idea, and I think Fringe does that um as well, yep. if I recall. You know, like this idea of like people and family and Peter and his dad and Olivia and like yep. all of that sort of stuff. Like when the answer is a person, when the answer is human connection, yeah. it's in, it's hugely satisfying. And when the answer is like, oh, God, I can't even remember what they called it. The like, I want to call it the Tesseract, but I know that that's Marvel. The whatever it was in uh-huh. like the Rise of Skywalker that like gets you to the Death Star. That oh, gets fuck. Yes, yes, yes. Whatever that's yeah. called. That's a bad answer to like. Well, this is yeah. We're we're, this is like we're talking about MacGuffins and talking about like doohickeys and shit like that, which is never a good thing, right? But like, I just feel like I I I don't you know. It's fun talking to you about this. Well, it's fun talking to you about anything, but like, it's fun talking to you about this because like I know that you've like been through all this. You have personal like, and I just am like from outside the club (laughs) commenting, but like, um, I long ago gave up this idea because that was the that was the mythos around lost for a long time was like a they didn't know what they were doing so they just made it up and mm-hmm. b that they figured out a wrong solution i think both of those things are kind of wrong but what i learned 
close watching Breaking Bad was there's actually nothing wrong with making it up as you go. Vince Gilligan would talk about that all the time, about how they would write Walt into a corner. They had no idea how they were going to get him out of it. And then they figured it out. And you don't see the seams of that on that show because Vince Gilligan's brain works in a way that like, but not everyone has that Vince Gilligan brain. You know what I mean? And so there's like saying, oh, they didn't know what they were doing when they started. I'm like that, that on its face is not a good criticism. But they didn't figure out a good way to go with it. That is, that is, you know, an earned yep. criticism that JJ, either through lack of interest in projects or whatever, has uh, created over again and again. I think he spread himself a little thin. I think that you know he obviously became very big very quickly. And again, right. these aren't these aren't knocks against him. Like I, I, I am, I am a very, very big fan of the majority of the work that he's made. Um, I think that sometimes. You know, we just find ourselves in situations. I mean, even just looking at Super 8, right? Where it's like, I think the first two acts of Super 8 are great. Third act is not so great. No. Like, it's just he he knows how to get two-thirds of the way there. Right. And then he it just doesn't always land, which is why, weirdly, re-watching these Felicity episodes, I found myself watching them thinking, like, this is surprisingly successful emotionally in terms of getting us where we need to go in terms of getting to a place where inevitably this WB show in 19, in 2002 was going to end with her ending up with Ben. Right. right. So they build a situation where they broke, they, they literally shatter them into pieces and they put them back together over five episodes and it works relatively well, even if it is in a heightened, silly sort of, weird way right um it's the inverse in a weird way of a lot of his other shows which is that are they're very heightened high concepty things and then he tries to get them back to a place where it's emotion and it's character and it's all that kind of stuff which is which is understandable um you know the the, the thing about alias too is <laughs> you know notoriously it feels like jj's rooms were sort of let's blow the show up at the end of every season and then we'll figure out how to put it back together the next year. And I think some years they're successful at that from season one to season two. And yeah. then from season two to season three, they're not as successful. Um, spoiler, two to big season, cliffhanger. Yeah. Is season two to season three, uh, like the time jump, right? Yep, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Mm. It's also, they also not do something. Not Melissa George's fault, but that's. I was just going to ask you. I have to ask you about that. <laughs> Here's my question on that. Do you think that love triangles work better when it's two guys and a girl rather than oh. when it's two girls and a guy? Oh, that's so fascinating. Um, I have never thought about that. Uh, you might be, you know, because like obviously Alias season one has like Will and Vaughn are sort of like mm-hmm. your likely lads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then like Lost, it's the Sawyer, Jack, Kate mm-hmm. thing, though I'm in season three right now. So it's like a Juliet, Kate. It's a, it's a, right, it's, it's like square. a four. It's like a square now, yeah. <laughs> square. Um, but then, so, like Felicity, where you have a girl and two guys, I I, I yeah. would argue that it works better when it's a girl and two guys than when it's two girls and a guy. I think it almost always is a girl. Well, that's yes, and two guys. I'm trying well, the, to think of like a lot of. Other I just think that it. one of the problems with the love triangle that manifests at the top of season three or through the majority of season three is that. And forgive me because this is going to sound reductive, but but women can seem catty. It seems catty in the way that they're both trying to get him in season three, that they're both trying to get Vaughn. It feels like two women that they literally like start physically fighting each other at a certain point. Like, I'm just not sure that it plays as well 
as it does when the genders are inverted. I could be wrong, and I'm willing to like. Well, I, mean, I, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't but. think you're wrong. I think you're right in terms of how it's been done, but I think it doesn't have to be that way. Right. It's like, execution dependent for sure. Right. Yeah. Like, um, okay. So I'm thinking. I, I I'm thinking of an example of another show that I'm watching, which is Cora, the Avatar: The Last Airbender sure, sequel, sure, sure. which just hit Netflix. Um, uh-huh. and I I've been doing like a few, like a few spare revival episodes of a podcast that I did about Cora called Republic City Dispatch. And what I love about Cora season one, we don't need to talk about how Cora ends, but in Cora season one, I've never uh, seen an episode of Cora yeah, in my life. So that's okay. But- I'm just I'm gonna walk you through it. Um. <laughs> There's a character named Mako, voiced improbably by David Faustino, but he is like the heartthrob okay. of of season one. And then you got Cora, who is like the tough. She's like she's our Buffy. She's like a tough uh, or okay. Sydney or whatever. She's our mm-hmm. tough avatar. And then you've got this woman named Asami, who is the like rich, like a sort of Betty and Veronica kind of thing or whatever uh-huh. it might be. There's this great scene where like Mako is torn between the two and he doesn't know what he's going to do and he like kisses Korra but he likes Asami and like Asami finds out and she goes I, she goes, I like Korra. This is not an issue with Korra. It's an issue with you. And I'm like, yes! They didn't make <laughs> the, women, the women that's never great. fight. Yeah, you know what I mean? Great. It's like that's the great. dude who's yeah. messing up because he's being indecisive and yeah. whatever. So execution dependent for sure. But I think you're right in terms of like even if you gave the exact same lines and even almost the exact same intonation mm-hmm. to a male character or a female character, um, we are as a, as a culture unfortunately trained to hear those things differently. That's yeah, really I mean, incredible, I, I, you know, a hundred percent. And 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 I don't mean to suggest that you know part of the problem. I think ultimately is that. And I can't even remember Melissa George's character's name on Felicity so, on on Alias, so I can't I can't really speak to that. But her character is Lauren. I think it's Lauren. Lauren sounds right. Yeah. She's kind of screwed from the jump, right? Which is that the audience immediately hates her, like Absolutely. immediately. So there's no way to kind of make that really work. So it probably doesn't have to do with gender so much as the fact that she's just. The character's flat-footed from the jump. There's just very little she can do. And then when you find out she's evil, you're just like, well, yeah, okay. Obviously, she has to be. Like, what other options do they have? I think, didn't they do that because of fan reaction to her? I think yes. that's what they did, right? They got like seven seven weeks into it, and they were like, well, I guess we got to make her evil. Oh, the old Nikki Impala maneuver. Um, yeah, no, it's... Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the same. I mean, it can happen to the most charismatic, um, lovable actress like uh, Rashida Jones on The Office. Like, right, yep. she shows yep. up. Yeah. And she's an obstacle to our like pair that we're rooting for. Yeah. And so you you don't like hate her, but you're just sort of yeah. like, I'm not rooting for you though. I can't because I'm yeah. invested in rooting for these people. And I also have to wonder, I mean, like, it's really reductive to say that only women yes. um are invested in love triangle narratives. Obviously, you've watched four seasons of listening, you're talking <laughs> many to times. So, but yeah. um uh so but probably for the most part, those are stories that are written to appeal to women, to young mm-hmm. women or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so there might be there might be something to like, uh, you know, it's more appealing to imagine yourself a woman trapped between two men than it is um, fighting like, another woman for a man. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I need to think about that. But like, there's something that, <laughs> <laughs> I was, this is like slightly off topic. I hope you forgive yeah. me. Um, no. I was interviewing um, the actor Ian Glenn, who plays Sajora Mormon on Game of Thrones once. And I was mm-hmm. t- asking him, like, are you bummed that, like, Sajora never gets the girl? And I feel like he should, but he doesn't or whatever. And he's like, he actually, very much actually. does not. <laughs> and he's like, actually not. And I was like, why not? And he was like, well, 
It's like, I think there's a phenomenon where it's easier for female fans to like imagine they have a shot with like <laughs> me or Dora. This kind of put me off Ian Glenn a little bit, but like imagine they have a shot with me if I'm never like actually with her. They can just like imagine it would be me. And I was like, okay. Uh, uh. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> weird. Uh, weird um, that question. Yeah. But, I, but it made me think yeah. about the way in which uh, whether or not that was a odd slash creepy thing to say. Like it, it made me think about <laughs> the way in which different genders are trained to identify with versus relate to versus you know, view from the outside and, and the way in which, yeah, I'm going to be thinking about this love triangle uh, question you've posed me for a while. I'm, I'm, I'm great. Awesome. Yeah. But I, I do think that, and this comes back to sort of what we were talking about earlier, which is a little bit of the aspirational quality of some shows, right? I mean, there you're watching, if you're a, a Felicity fan, or even if you're a teenage girl, college girl, guy, whatever, there is something aspirational about it because everyone is kind of aspiring to be the best version of themselves for lack of a better way it's, it's a little like reductive a new but version of you yeah perhaps as, perhaps as like I the say. theme song which uh-huh. i did not particularly like um did it gets matt stuck reeves in my head write, though did matt reeves write that Pro- probably i, I think I, matt I reeves did yeah i, I mean jj it. wrote all of the theme songs to all of his shows so there's that too did he um he has an Emmy for Lost. And you know what the Lost theme is, don't you, Joe? <laughs> yeah. He won an Emmy for pressing one key on a keyboard, but that's neither he, here nor there. That should be Michael Giacchino's Emmy. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, but but my point is more like, I think that I'm, I'm sort of trying to kind of break this down in the sense of whether or not it's better. If I had a teenage daughter and she's watching Felicity, mm-hmm. is it teaching her the wrong, quote unquote, the wrong things to have her have to choose between these two guys rather than choosing herself? I mean, I don't know the answer to that because I think that they do a relatively good job of making Ben not seem like a dick. But you understand my point. Well, I am having not rewatched the episodes that come before these final five. <laughs> Does she choose herself in a way where she's like, I'm going to California and Ben's like, I mean, I'm assuming that this is what happened in that he says this yeah. time it was my turn, but she's like, I'm going yes. to California yeah. with or without you. So that's yeah. choosing her. And then she gets Ben anyway, because he's yes. like, is my turn. So to your point, yeah, they get their cake and eat it too there, I guess is what you're getting at. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that sounds like, because I, I think if you show a teenage girl, or a teenage boy, or whoever. Yeah. The pilot, like <laughs> I said, there's there isn't a wrong message there. Uh, except don't right. read someone's uh, college admissions essay. <laughs> that's under yeah, lock and, and don't like tell them that they made you fall in love with them either. I think that's also crossing a great. line for the state. But I, but great. I do think to your, it's interesting that you bring this up because on the commentary, JJ and Matt also talk about how they got a fair amount of shit for being two guys who wrote a show about a girl chasing a boy. But to their point, they're like, but that's not actually what the show is about. And we like to think that the pilot is pretty explicit in that notion that it's by the end of the pilot, she realizes that he was an excuse, right? Right. Um, I think that's clear, but I guess to some people in 1999, it wasn't. I think that makes it even better. But I also think that there's just like such a long history of like, I got to go see about a girl. There's so many stories of guys chasing women and like, and chasing, like, that's why I wrote down Gatsby because like, it's not, it's not about Daisy in the great Gatsby. It's about like what Daisy represents. And so like, that's what's true for Felicity. It's not about Ben. It's about what Ben represents. And so like, it's, but like, 
people tend to think it's silly when a girl does it and like great literature when a man does it question mark you know what i mean so it's like yes um yes. it's it's let's give matt damon and ben affleck an oscar when a boy does it you know so it's like um yeah no i hear that i hear I, that I, I love felicity for that but like <laughs> i was thinking about like i was i was thinking about my memories of season one of felicity mm-hmm. and like things that uh there's there's the episode where she i forget what she's really upset about probably ben and or Noel, <laughs> and like she uh-huh. just wants to eat some ice cream, but she doesn't have a spoon. So it's about her like search for a spoon. And I love that story where you're like, you're in college and you don't have a spoon. And she, High stakes. Like, yeah. She's like, buys or like, or like her mini fridge or yeah. Um, yeah. the like uh, the college dorm Thanksgiving that they have because they're not mm-hmm. going home. So that, you know, like mm-hmm. these are college stories and they're like yeah. the stories that I remember are not necessarily that closely tied to the love triangle from the first season, even though that's like the running thing. I agree um, with you a hundred percent. I, I, you know, the, the, the moments that stay with me are the enormity of the little things, this idea of how monumental these things are because you're, you're out of the, you're out of the house for the first time. Most likely you're, right. you're, you're trying to be a grown up. You don't know what that's like. It's scary. Um, and your hormones are all over the place and you're surrounded by boys and girls and, drinking and any number of things like it's just and I think the show does a really great job of harnessing that earnestness and all that potential um, in Felicity's character and also obviously I mean Carrie Russell is a phenomenal actress who does just like what she can do with a look I mean you don't even need to give her dialogue sometimes is just is really stupendous Um, but yeah I, I don't disagree with you I think that what what I'll always kind of my affection for the show really has very little to do with the love triangle as it does the the warmth of the show the feeling the show gives off that's that's the intoxicating part of the show to me anyway yeah uh i think about dina deluca i think about like <laughs> sure, sure i think about sure. like new york in autumn and like coats and scarves and sweaters um, everyone's sweater. wearing a fucking oh. sweater <laughs> oh, but gosh. i no. i i do want to just for a quick second um yeah just talk about the last two episodes for a real quick second here. Um, because I think the second to last episode, which is called Felicity Interrupted, which is a, a play on Girl Interrupted. Um, <laughs> to bring Winona back into the conversation. And, 19, yeah. and 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that um, that's a real high wire act, this episode. This episode should not work at all. And I would say it trips up a couple times. But putting her in a mental hospital in the beginning of this episode really makes it feel very um like very intense very outside the norm of this show i mean it doesn't really go to that place it doesn't really it's not really a commentary on mental illness um so the fact that they went there i was like okay this is kind of insane especially when she's telling the doctor that she's traveled from the from the future <laughs> You're just like, every time she says it, you're just like, God, God bless Carrie Russell for making this work even one iota. It really bothers me when characters are like stuck. In, I I would like to think that if I travel through time and or like maybe there was like a ghost haunting me and I could only hear their voice, but other people couldn't or whatever, I would not do the thing that every single character in a TV and film does, which is like talk to that person in front of other people or whatever. Like I would be so good yeah, at that. Yeah, yeah. I would never tell someone I traveled from the future. I would no. make some very smart 
financial investments. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't like tell anyone that I travel from yeah. the future. You'd buy a, a Gray's sports almanac is what mm-hmm, you would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would make like a tree and get out of here. Yeah, no, no. Like, <laughs> it's it's so funny because uh, I – but one thing I do like that Felicity does in those five episodes – I'm going to get back to – Yeah, 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 yeah. One thing I do like that she does is she's like, it's going to be fine. I know it. I know for yeah, a fact that yeah. you're going to figure it out, Noel. I know for a fact that you're going to do fine, Ben. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Yeah. I'm like, we should all just like live our lives as if we're Felicity Porter having just traveled <laughs> yes. through time. You know what yes. I mean? It's going to be fine. I know it. <laughs> it's know all it. going to be fine. It's like, wait, what? Okay, sure. I just know it. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Yes, yeah. Uh, okay, things I like about the mental institution yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, plot. I like how Megan immediately is like, you guys yeah. fucked up. You're bad friends. <laughs> You should go drive off a bridge. I don't like you. She's the best. Though, honestly, I kind of think it should have been Megan to bust Felicity out of the mental institution. She's like, you're bad that you did this. And then she does nothing about it. And I'm like, I feel like Megan would have like... Yeah, like cast a spell on the staff <laughs> yes. and like yes. boosted Felicity or whatever. I mean, I like that Ben does it, but like he should yeah. have had like Megan as his like comms. Yeah, she should have been on lookout at very yeah. least. Yeah, she could yeah. be the marshal yeah. to his yeah. like espionage yeah, that he has to do. But like, yeah. um, she dates Marshall. Yeah, <laughs> but so like so so that I do like, and I like. I mean, I you know. Carrie Russell and Scott Speedman have insane chemistry. So like their yeah. connection and him being like, yeah. I believe you and all this other stuff like that matters. The thing that doesn't work for me, <laughs> having not recently rewatched the fourth season is uh-huh. I have no connection. Is Zoe, is that Noel's future wife? Mm-hmm. Zero connection to her. So I'm like, Zoe's in a mental institution. <laughs> I don't care. Um, well, I mean, uh, so. I know who she is and I don't care. So, yeah, I mean, she, it's, work, you know? she also, like, it feels to me, and this is a weird callback, but, like, Amy Smart was on the show in season two and she played yeah. Ruby, uh, yeah. his girlfriend, for for a while. Yeah. Um, and she was great. Uh, and um, Zoe looks so much like her that oh. it's just like, could they just, like, just, just get Ruby back? She showed up and I was like, wait, is Amy Smart in the final season? Of- <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's not Amy Smart. And Just get Amy Smart where, back. You know. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I would care if Amy Smart were in a mental institution. No offense to that. Actress. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but then it ends with the Noel's dead thing. And yep. I just think <laughs> that's once again the incorrect stakes to put on this. That I like agree. she has to travel back to her reality or else Noel is dead because like as good as Carrie Russell is as an actress I don't think Felicity processes Noel's death in a way that makes any sense I honestly if any sense if I were Carrie Russell and like I I was like you you killed Noel and then we have a clip show (laughs) you know yeah, uh, and okay. and they don't just kill Noel; they kill him off screen. He's like BRB. I'll be right. He's back. like he's like. Wait, what's going on? What's that commotion? Yeah. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It, yeah, it, I agree with you that it doesn't feel right. It's so funny because like I rem- I definitely remember that they killed Noel. <laughs> I forgot about the Elena thing, but I definitely remember that they killed <laughs> Noel. And so then, like, and then this is her choice: stay yeah. here, and Noel is dead. Go back to my reality, and Elena might die. If my Duke postcard doesn't work out, that was edited out of the show. And I'm like, once again, I just feel like that's incorrect stakes to put on uh, a let's have fun with genre. You know, because Mm -hmm. like Kurt Fuller, who's great, 
who shows up as this like yes he is Mikowski great. or whatever like uh Kos- K- Karofsky. Kos- Karofsky. sorry Kos- i think Mikowski is Karofsky. from yeah, uh, yeah. magicians um yep. he shows up as this like magician i guess um <laughs> wizard he's, he's fantastic <laughs> Yeah. But his tone is wrong because it's like a light and zany weird tone. Yeah. With props, I think the concept is fun. Like, let's hang props yes. on a tree and, ta- and like remember mm-hmm. uh, what that's related to. Ben's necklace is there. The yeah. squirt gun from the Assassin's game is there. Like, yeah. that's all fun. It's but great. like, it can't be fun if Noel's dead. You know, like <laughs> that doesn't work. It can't yeah. be. You can't have a fun zany time with Kurt Fuller if Noel's dead. You should be on the floor. So I, I am. Um, that's an yeah. issue that I have at the end of the show. I, I, I will say this. Um, I agree a hundred and fifty percent that um, one of the sort of. So I, I want to talk just just for a second about like series finales in general because right. there's a part of me that's like they're impossible really when everything is said and done especially in the broadcast world where in the broadcast world where quantity over quality we want you to make 500 episodes of this television show yeah. and then when you could literally care less about any of these people and any of these characters we want you to give us a satisfying ending which right. is sort of the way that it was for you know 100 years of television or whatever it was and then cable came into it and then all of a sudden the sopranos ended everything in an insane way and and everyone's like, wait, you can do that? And I do think that it changed the way people, at least the way showrunners approached the ends yeah, of shows. Okay. Um, and, and I bring this up because it does feel like a lot of shows back in the day, or at least broadcast shows, would, would do kind of, you know, a clip show. They would do this thing. They would find a way if it right. was to put all the characters of Seinfeld on trial or if it was to do whatever it was. Right. To find a way to get everyone to go down, you know, memory lane on this show. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I really do. And and sometimes it works. And I think this almost works. Almost. Almost Honestly, works. if Noel weren't dead, I think it would work. Yeah. And and I would also argue less clips. Like, just show me the things and have her tell me what they were. I don't need to actually see the moments mm-hmm. where they happened. Not all of them anyway. So there's just like, it just... Because to me, I was watching it and I was just like, there's no time left, guys. Like, you can't, you can't like actually land this plane now because you've spent 65, 70% of your episode just showing me a bunch of clips. Also, at the expense of explaining why Elena's alive. And the expense of why Elena's alive or. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a weird choice. I thought Fuller was an interesting choice, but they could have found somebody. I like her fuller as an actor. It's just he was wrong. You, the tone was off. It's fun. Well, the tone was off for the premise that they set. But I like him as a choice for this character. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I'm like, I, would I? Who who would you cast? Like, you well, do? you know, because it's my brain keeps going to Cronenberg because they did that episode <laughs> of Alias with Cronenberg, and he's wrong. But I think you know sort of what I'm getting at. Like someone that has just a little bit more gravity and, and mm. demands your attention a little bit more. Um, I, I don't, I mean, to be honest with you, another person who comes to mind is John Noble, who they had play mm-hmm. a somewhat similar character on fringe. He has sort of that kookiness oh, and a yeah. crackle to him that I think would have been really interesting. Someone like that, that could have just made it feel to your point, a little less kooky and more substantive. I think you're right that like John Noble could bring that uh, fringy, uh, Denethor energy to the room, 
without like you having to actively forget that Noel's dead while he's doing right. it. Right. I think you're right. right. I, I do. I love Kurt Fuller in that role, but yeah. you're right that like given the the parameters that they set for themselves, it doesn't work. So I also think, and I agree with you 100 percent that. They didn't need to kill Noel. There were any number of things that could have happened, any number of things that could have happened at the end of the second to last episode that would motivate her to have to go back home. Well, like, we don't yeah. need it to be Ben's, uh, Noel's death. Well, and I just think it's stronger if it's a more active, if it's a less tied to like, well, I got to go back so that Noel can live and more tied <laughs> to like, listen, I'm running away from my like, problems, my yeah. problems. And wherever yeah. you go, there you are. And so I should really not like I've come back in time and messed everything up in a like fatalistic way, literally like killed someone. But like, yeah, I, I want to go back because I want to like live with my own choices. You know what I mean? That just feels stronger. To me. I c- couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I mean, listen, these these are all sort of <laughs> I would say that. I was not expecting to have this conversation when everything is said and done. I was like, I got to watch these five episodes. I haven't watched them in a really long time. Yeah. Um, I need to find closure on this miniseries. <laughs> um, and so I'm going to watch these episodes, which I remember being, you know, quite frankly, not very good. Um, yeah. But watching them now through my experiences as a writer uh, and, and just my experiences of watching television for the past, you know, however many years... I respect this more than I thought I was going to. I think that that there's a more emotion in it than I remember. Mm. Um, it's a silly thing that they did, but it kind of works. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I it's weird because like I keep comparing the finales of the of the four JJ shows, mm-hmm. and I got to say, like, it. <laughs> I don't know which is my favorite. It, I, I know you really like the Lost finale, so I'm imagining that you would probably put the Lost finale as your favorite of the four finales. Yeah, um, but I wouldn't. But, yeah. but I wouldn't attribute that to JJ in any way. That's like right. that's, that's a Damon thing. That's all like spirituality and like whatever. Right. That's that's a Damon thing. Um, I don't know how Fringe ends, but my Fringe does something interesting too, which is they do a flash forward. They jump like many years into the future, and it's okay. like an alternate reality, and they have to kind of put all the pieces back together again and. Walter has to sacrifice himself at the end for to save his son. Like it, it's it's very sci-fi tropey, whatever. It okay. works for what okay. it what it was attempting to do. And you know, I think that Fringe is a show I think you would quite like if you did do a rewatch of it. Yeah. Um I think that the long and short of it is all of these finales have strengths and all of these finales have weaknesses. And it's just interesting to to be able to kind of reappraise them. Can I ask you a larger uh, lens thing, which is like, what do you, you, you know, you say as, as, um, as someone who has worked in this industry, series finale feels almost impossible. What, what in your view has been like a tremendously successful, I mean, like Sopranos you mentioned is like something that's just sort of like, fuck you. Like, but like, <laughs> but like, yeah. what, what has been like a six of really, you're like, Yes. Um, yeah. there, are, I'm going to name three because I wanted to, I was going to ask you, I want to hear yours too. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, Six Feet Under is my favorite show. Right. Right. Um, I think Six Feet Under is, that sh- that's the watermark, I think, of a show that is definitive. It is emotionally cathartic. Um, it is, I think, what every showrunner is scared of doing because they want their shows to end with an ellipse 
so that people leave it feeling like the friends that they've made over these many years are going to go yeah. on and do all sorts yeah. of things, which is understandable. Um, but this show is about death, so everyone dies. So it makes sense. Right. But before um, they die, they live. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I really loved, uh, I really liked the Mad Men finale. I thought that, that it, it did a good job of, of, um, yeah. being true to itself for the most part. And I thought the Friday Night Lights finale was, was, you know, really good. Yeah. I think that they, you know, it was, it left you with the feeling of the show, right? Which is like mm-hmm. these people kind of hopefully sort of figured it out. But what about In you, a Joanna? new chapter. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Friday Night Lights finale is really good. Um, like the sixteen under is like the one that like everyone mentions for like a good reason, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a really um, like it's it could have been gimmicky, but it doesn't. It just feels yeah. like a poem almost. It's so beautiful. Um, I actually <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking, I was listening to you, but I was also like looking back through my Twitter because I was like, I know I wrote a tweet that was like what's the best TV series finale of all time and why is it blank? And I couldn't remember what I said, <laughs> which is embarrassing. Because um, I know a lot of people funny. replied and they're like, oh, six feet underwood, like a word or whatever. Um, right. But I said, and I will stand by this, uh, the Veep finale. I thought the Veep finale Interesting. was incredible. Okay. Because um, there is a flash forward at the very end of the Veep finale. I don't know. Did you watch, were you a Veep? person no okay. i watched the first two seasons i dropped yeah. off unfortunately i'm sorry so there's so- no, no no it's it's okay but there's just like there's a surprise in it mm-hmm. that you can rather- spoil it for me because i'm probably i want to have a conversation <laughs> with you about it so <laughs> okay. so julia lee dreyfus this whole uh you know she plays this like rep this person who's like walking on a line of reprehensible where you're mm-hmm. like still enjoying following her journey even though she's been like reprehensible this whole time sure um and then in the finale, she betrays Tony Hale for her own gain. Tony Hale has been her like sidekick, yeah, yeah, ragman, incredibly yep. loyal the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. She betrays him in the final episode. She sets him up to take the fall for something that she did so that she can get elected. He goes to jail and it is you know for a comedy for a political <laughs> comedy it is wow. tremendously heartbreaking but like and it's surprising but it's also like but you can't be surprised because this is what it feels like this is what the whole show has been like <laughs> preamble to this and then it has a, a flash forward to her funeral and so uh-huh. all of like you know she has been elected and blah blah and like so you get that uh clip show feeling where you have all your characters come back in like not bad old age makeup uh pretty pretty top-notch old age makeup and so you get a little check-in on like where everyone is right Uh uh-huh and then tony hale shows up and he's like he comes and he like puts her lipstick like on her coffin and it's sort of this like Oh my god! Great. I know it's like I hate that it's I really this for sad. You. It's so sad, and it's so good. And I think also another thing that is so sad and so good that a really good finale recently is the Good Place. Like the Good Place. Oh, the Good Place did a great job. Yeah, had just this beautiful, like long, elegiac sort of like, but still funny, like and sweet finale. And then I, I hate that all my examples are so recent, but also <laughs> the also the leftovers. I love the leftovers. Oh, leftovers, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, The Leftovers is 
yeah, I'm I'm kind of still amazed that show was slept on in the, in the way that it was by yeah. so many people, still- I- industry and and outside the industry. Yeah. Um, yeah, The Leftovers was was unbelievable. I'll, I have one other one that I want to add yeah. in there, um, which is Hannibal. Um, I, <laughs> it's so funny because like some people are mad that Hannibal is done. Does it feel? Done. Did it feel resolved to you? Um, did it feel resolved to me? Uh, it did. Weirdly, um, I felt like that show played by its own rules in a way that's just pretty insane. Um, it's incredible that they got to do what they got to do. Most of it, I mean, we should just you know, commend Gaumont for continuing to feed that show since NBC like <laughs> did nothing to, to support it. But right. um, the end of it felt so dreamlike to me and mm. so like beautifully sort of eerily romantic. And the fact that we don't see them land, like the camera just pulls over the cliff and we don't see anything. Like there's just something very sort of, um, beautiful about it that, I mean, listen, it's on Netflix now and it's doing quite well and now there's talk of whether they'll do more and maybe they right. will and who knows what you're happens like, with this Clarice show and like, so who knows. they did it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, there's a part of it that's like, sure, I'd watch it. But I, I just think that that show lived in such an interesting, cerebral, dreamlike space that um, I really appreciated that they committed to that, I guess is what I'm getting yeah. at. Like, I think that a lot of shows, I mean, Brian Fuller's never got to do a series finale before, really. <laughs> so um, I, I appreciate that when he was given the opportunity that he that he stuck to his guns and that he did what he wanted to do with them. Yeah, no, I think you're right that like a, that so many shows feel like they need to be something else in their final moments. I mean, this, this last something for everyone is like, yeah. is the epitome of that though. Once again, the context <laughs> of, of knowing that like really the finale <laughs> happened earlier in the season is helpful. Uh-huh. I don't, I didn't know that when I first watched it, certainly. And I think it was like only a couple years ago that I found that out. Yeah. Uh, and that changes things. You, you like you, you see it very differently that way, but oh, like sure. this, this desire to be something different something bigger to put a big mm-hmm. you know period at the end of the sentence a mm-hmm. big like what was it all for sort of thing but but you do have to admire shows that are just themselves at the end you yeah know what I mean? and i think do. that you know we live in a really interesting time in television right now you know this better than anybody which is that you know there's a lot of freedom given to showrunners to be able to end things on their own terms right um you know i think that and sometimes that can break good and sometimes you get game of thrones but i think that it is <laughs> you can't see joanna shaking her head right now but she is um <laughs> but i do think that um it's it is it's a real um I'm trying to think of what the right word is, but it's it, it for a showrunner to be given that honor, to be given that choice, to 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 have that in this mm-hmm. day and age is a gift. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, Mike Schur is one of them. A lot of showrunners, obviously Lindelof is another, where it's like they understand how much of a gift that is, mm-hmm. and they're going to give you everything of themselves and everything they love about this show, and they're going to reward the people that love the show, and they're not going to try to reward the fair weather fans. Like that's just what it is, and. You know, I think that um, that's that's special. That's that's something that's really cool about the the landscape we work in right now. Yeah, the thing that happened—not <laughs> that anyone <laughs> needs to hear me say more things about the Game of Thrones. Oh, finale. I, I I mean, I opened that door for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that happened with the Game of Thrones finale 
that I've been thinking about in, in the context of Lost. Okay, so like Lost, the reason I'm doing a Lost podcast is because of the Game of Thrones finale. Because up until the Game of Thrones finale, Lost had the most famously divisive finale. And then I think the Game of Thrones finale came in and was like, hold my beer, right? Um <laughs> And so then I wanted to like I wanted to like look back at Lost and be like that was the last time like such a massive cultural phenomenon landed in a way that got earned like that earned it such a black mark that some of its most diehard fans are like I don't want to even want to talk about I don't want to talk about the years I spent (laughs) the merch that I bought the like you know what I named my child like all sorts of stuff like that and uh, in the case of Lost. I think it's extremely unearned. In the case of Game of Thrones, I think it is earned. Though in ten years, I might feel differently. But I don't think so. But I think because there'll be but some other show that that disappoints oh, us on a level but, much bigger. <laughs> but what is interesting about uh, I've been thinking about this. The last finale just had its anniversary, and like the mm-hmm. uh, Miles McNutt, great culture writer, uh, yeah. alerted me to this idea that like. When Lost premiered, season one, huge mm-hmm. bananas numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And then a steep drop off in season three. And then they sort of like, they still had, because I was in the Lost fandom. And so I, and and was not writing about TV at the time. And so mm-hmm. I had no idea that the ratings had fallen the way that they had, because like, I wasn't watching the ratings numbers. I was right. just watching the show. And, um... And then what happened with the Lost finale and one of the big contributors to why it earned that reputation of being as as bad as some people think it is, is that a bunch of people tuned in for the finale to be mm-hmm. like, what happened to that old show that I was watching? Yeah. And then they misunderstood what they were watching. <laughs> um, it wasn't helped by the fact that ABC ran like footage of the fuselage crash on the beach over the credit. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that happened, but like that ratings question is interesting. <laughs> never before, never again. Will I think we see something like that where there was just like a huge ratings, steep yeah. drop off, and then people came back for the finale? Because usually when that happens, if there's a drop off, people are just like, and I'm done. Yep. And maybe yep. I'll read a recap of what happened in the finale, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. But people actually tune back in the for the finale for some reason. Yep. Game of Thrones, conversely, <laughs> just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. Uh-huh. To the point where the f- <laughs> I think the creators not all of them, but uh, Weiss and Benioff, I would say, the people running the ship, mm-hmm. started pandering to the new fans. Yeah. Uh, you talk about Fairweather fans versus, like, loyal fans or whatever. There's, like, yeah. the fans who, like, tuned in from the start for, like, the character stuff. Yep. And the, there's the fans who turn, tuned in later for, like, this makes me sound so snooty and gatekeepy, but, like, who tuned in for, like, the spectacle. Yep. And I don't, and then, so then the last, the Game of Thrones finale becomes like so much about spectacle and technical prowess and all this sort of stuff like that, you know, seated atop their mountain of Emmys. Then it does the character stuff that is really what like you need. We've been talking about this this whole time. Mm-hmm. You need that for a JJ mystery box to work. You need it for, you know, Felicity traveling through time to work. You need that yep. heart there. Yep. And Thrones just at the end lost it. And um, I I don't see any amount of time making that better, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I have not read the books. I don't have the investment in in Game of Thrones that a lot of people do, and and I know that it's <laughs> you, you haven't <laughs> named a child Daenerys. I have not yet, anyway. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I 
I really appreciated that show when when that show was clicking, which I would argue you know, season three and four are mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it was it, it it gave me the same sort of chills that I got when I was watching Lost. I remember watching that premiere of season two when we go down the hatch and it's and it's all the close ups of Desmond oh. and the music playing, yeah. and I was just like, "This show can fucking do anything." Like yeah. it it just it is it it there there is. The sky is the limit for this thing, and I'm so in for however many episodes this thing goes for. And I did watch every episode live, for what that's worth. But Game of Thrones similarly gave me those chills when the moment that, that for me, was when they chop off fucking uh, Jamie's hand. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, wow, like, they they can do anything on this show. Like, right. really, all bets are off. I mean, then, obviously, you have your Red Wedding and what have you. This is just a long way of saying that... Um, you know, the show became too big for its own good, I think, when everything is said and done. It became too popular for its own good. It became too expensive. Uh, and quite frankly, it certainly sounds very hard to produce um, at, to a point where, you know, the episode order starts to shrink. And that does a detriment to the turns and the various things that have to happen in storytelling, which doesn't help you. Yeah, the slow build. Yeah, and like, uh, I'm sorry. I don't know why this is now a Game of Thrones podcast. Probably every podcast i appear on turns into a game of thrones podcast but like <laughs> that's the thing that i like that would drove me crazy about the end of game of thrones you can cut all of this out if you want but like that's what drove me crazy about the end of game of thrones is like people would just be like in defense, no in defense of it they would be like but they work so hard here's all these behind the scenes documentaries about how hard they work i was like they did they did and they had incredible craftsmen working on it and like you know unparalleled gorgeous like yeah. This, that, and the other thing, but that's not why we cared about the show in the first place. You know what I mean? And like, yep. you can work as hard as can be, and I don't want to be impolite. I want to honor that work, but like, yep. I still got to be honest about like what works, what works for me as a viewer, and what doesn't. So, well, and I, I want to, I to 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 get back to Lost on this because I do think that this is a, and and this comes back to Felicity as well, and yeah. just sort of not to belabor the point, but the characters are fucking everything. And the thing about Lost is that really it's a character study. It's right. really each week it's a different character. And we're seeing it through their lens and we're telling a story about that person. And the problem, I think, with mythology shows is that people get that shit mixed up and they start to think that all the fucking smoke and mirrors and bells and whistles of mythology is what matters. And it doesn't fucking matter. Like, I don't care what the numbers mean. I don't really care what the island even really means. I care about the people. And to your point, the finale of that show is about giving those people the right send off and caring about the people. Um, which again, to come back to JJ seems to really be what's, what's rooted in all of his work. And the mythology is where his shows get tripped up. Um, I think, you know, your Rumbaldi's and your, (laughs) but, but you, you know what I mean? And I I think that that's sort of, if there's a lesson to take away from any of this, (laughs) it's, you know, Build your characters right. Care about your characters. Make sure that they're that, that that they're living, breathing people that people want to, you know, go on that journey with them. I think the best television shows are a show that starts at the beginning in a pilot that shatters all the characters into a million pieces, and then by the end of that series, all those pieces are put back together again so they can go on living their lives. And you, as a viewer, can be like those characters that I loved are now going to go live wonderful lives. Or I guess die or whatever lost is, but you understand my point, right? Like, I think that that's, that's television, right? It's about investment. It's about caring for the characters. And as you say, like this current landscape where showrunners are given more control over how long that story lasts um, and can plan for that. 
uh, is doing such good for it's storytelling. Pri- it's a privilege. It's yeah. a privilege, and 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 as viewers, it's a privilege for us too. I mean, as much as it bums me out that the good plays ended after four seasons, um, Mike sure decided that that was when he felt like the show was was should end, and it ended yeah. appropriately. Yeah. Um, and I and I would also argue too that Felicity, all things being equal. They knew the season four was their last season. They knew that this was the end. They knew it was going to be four seasons and done. Um, they obviously were given a little bit of a weird thing at the end there. But, you know, That's I think awful. that all things being equal, they did a relatively good job. I- <laughs> or not. I mean, I don't know. They, they did something interesting mm-hmm. with the plus five that they had. They were like, we're not just yeah. going to be like, uh, let's do five episodes in Palo Alto, I guess. You know what I mean? They like, right. did something interesting that attempted to kind of involve all of their characters. Though when Amy Jo Johnson has more screen time than Elena, that bothers me. But you know what I mean? I like, agree with you 150%. That, but, the, the, uh, yeah. but, you know, there there are things they did that really worked, and I do admire them for, like, trying a thing. And it was a good harbinger <laughs> of, like... Of what's to come for what's sure. To come for JJ. <laughs> <laughs> the eight ball, the Noel eight ball keychain. The Noel eight ball. That, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, like, unless he told the future. <laughs> if you, because when you you email me and you're like, do you want to do Felicity? And I was like, I want to do the end of Felicity. That's what I want to do. <laughs> and like, I was like, what, here's what I remember: time travel yeah. and and Noel's magic eight ball keychain. <laughs> like what I remember. So. And Ben flirting with her in Chem Lab, which is yeah. just like yeah. uh, good, good TV. So yeah, yeah. I we mean, did. we did it. I can't. You know? I can't. We did it, and I, I can't thank you enough for for going on this uh, <laughs> this journey with me. Um, truly, me. it was it was a blast. Um, and and I hope that you'll. I mean, we have lots more TV to cover and lots more movies to cover. So I hope that you'll come back in the future. I will be back for something <laughs> hopefully even weirder than this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.